Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. My Macca's Rewards has arrived. Order via the My Macca's app and start earning today. Ah, yes, indeed. A very good evening. Welcome to the Macca's Run. Great to have your company. I hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. It's wonderful to have you on board, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us around the country on the SEN network. Uh, The Harcourt's open line is always exactly that on the Macca's Run. It's your chance to have your say on the news of the day. Your move, your Harcourt's for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourt's. You can text in at any time, 0433 98 11 16 on the Temper text line. Temper, a mattress like no other. And this is the Macca's Run for the My Macca's Rewards, which has arrived. You can earn rewards with every Macca's Run. Order via the My Macca's app and start earning today. That's a tough act to follow, isn't it? Beautifully spoken by Andrew Gaze in the recognition of, uh, for him, from the team at Fight MND and to have uh, Beck Danaher here as well. That was just incredibly special to listen to and, and remarkable to think of the work that that organisation has done and that Neil has done and how many people will be helped from the work of, of that magnificent team. Uh, over $50 million raised. That's just phenomenal. And uh, we've still got work to do. So looking forward to seeing the big announcements this year for the big freeze uh, this weekend, as we were just told. Um, Breaking news tonight, if we get into it, uh, Macca's Run getting you up to speed on the biggest sporting news of the day, the biggest sporting conversations, and your chance to have your say on that news of the day on 1300 736 736 and 433 98 Uh, A man who sits in the top 10 uh, of umpires for games officiated. Dean Margetts is going to join us at 6.30. So... Um, we'd had requests in with Dan Richardson, the uh, head of umpiring at the AFL. We weren't able to get Dan to come on to the show tonight, but you have been airing your concerns about the state of umpiring over the last couple of days. So we thought we would get Dean Margetts to come on and answer some of those concerns to give his perspective on it from a man that's uh, officiated uh, VFL, AFL, uh, Waffle combined over 400 games over a 20-year umpiring career. So... Um, if anyone's going to have a, a very, very well-informed view on this, it will be Dean Margetts. But uh, it was only an hour ago that Sam Edmund uh, came on the run home with Andy and Gazy and broke the story um, about the resignations of three North Melbourne uh, recruiting employees. Well, the team that recruited Jason Orn Francis have just quit. That's the setback <laughs> for North Melbourne at the moment. Can you believe it? They've been rocked by a triple resignation from their recruiting department. So that's Mark Finnegan, who's been there longer than some of the furniture in that place. Glenn Luff, who's uh, as, as blue and white as anyone going around. And Ben Berthesel, who also walks in the, works in the recruiting department as well. So all three have quit. All three have quit because, guys, they are deeply dissatisfied with the management and uh, the state of play at North Melbourne for a fair period of time, I think it's fair to say. And for someone like Mark Finnegan, who's been there for, I think, now 17 to 18 years, it breaks his heart, I've been told, to have to make this decision. And he uh, is going to another club. Uh, He's got a job lined up. But over the years, he'd received countless approaches. He never left. He loved North Melbourne. But that just speaks exactly to the to the to the core of the problems at North Melbourne at the moment that are far reaching and far and beyond what's going on on the field. And uh, three more staff have left today after well, so many have left over the last two years. Sam Eben today you also spoke about just how bad a timing this is uh, with the resignations of loose boss Glenn Luff, National Recruiting Manager Mark Finnegan, 
uh, and recruiting officer Ben Berthsel. Berthsel. It comes back to the coach. It comes back to the to the CEO. It comes back to the, all people in positions of power that make the decisions. Unfortunately, down at Arden Street at the moment, and there's no shortage of problems. Unfortunately, at, the, at that football club, and, and while there's never a good time to lose your entire recruiting team, this comes what uh, a week or two out from the mid-season draft. So it's um it's terrible timing on that front. Um, there's so much rebuilding to be done there at North Melbourne as well going forward. So just with everything else they've got to worry about now, they're going to have to go out and, uh, and hunt for a new uh, head of uh, recruiting, um, a list manager as well, and, um, and, and more uh, talent spotters. With the mid-season draft just around the corner as well, uh, Sam also spoke to a broader set of issues. And from what I'm told, though, guys, it has been coming for a fair period of time. I mean, these guys haven't been uh, enjoying... I mean, if they've been willing to make this decision, it, it probably speaks far and beyond above whatever I can describe to you now, but... It's not just a, a decision they've made within the last uh, week. Um, it's certainly something that they've been stewing on for a while, I think all three of them, um, and, and speaks to probably a bigger set of issues down there at, at Arden Street when it comes back to not just how the, the players are, are feeling about life at the moment and any dissatisfaction they've got, but staff as well, which have been mentioned in the factors but probably glossed over in a lot of ways, is that they're a big part of the club too. Sam Edmund breaking uh, the story uh, of Mark Finnegan and Glenn Luff resigning from North Melbourne uh, Footy Club along with uh, Ben Berthesel. So North Melbourne have released a statement um, on their website. Um, weren't keen to come on tonight. Uh, North Melbourne Kangaroos National Recruiting Manager Mark Finnegan and Head of Player Personnel Glenn Luff have resigned from the club after 17 years at Arden Street. Finnegan has accepted a role at another AFL club. Cal Toomey's actually reporting that that is Hawthorne. Uh, Finnegan joined the club's recruiting team in a part-time capacity in 2006 before undertaking a full-time position as Assistant Recruiting Manager in 2011. He has held the role of National Recruiting Manager since the end of 2016. Luff joined the club as the Head of Game Analysis in 2018 before becoming the club's list manager at the end of 2019. Luff has been the club's Head of Player Personnel since November 2021 and will leave to pursue new opportunities. Mark and Glenn have both been valued contributors to the North Melbourne Footy Club and we wish them the very best in their future endeavours, says North Melbourne's General Manager of Footy uh, football talent Brady Rawlings. Mark and Glenn have worked passionately and tirelessly for the club and we thank them for their work. The team's planning and preparation around the mid-season draft has been very thorough and will hold us in good stead as we look towards next week. We'll begin the process of replacing the now vacant roles in our recruiting and list management team over the coming months. So it hasn't been a great 24 hours in terms of a news cycle for North Melbourne. As Sam alluded to, it was just about a week or two ago that um, the story broke uh, in regards to coach Dave Noble uh, issuing an apology for his post-game address after the Brisbane loss in round three. Um, last night on Footy Classified, Carolyn Wilson uh, put the North Melbourne to Tasmania story uh, back on the agenda. The new president, Dr Sonia Hood, says she has no interest in Tasmania and still, as mounting presidents seem to be saying they won't be voting for a 19th team, North Melbourne comes up in that conversation. So, uh, as we know, North Melbourne have no interest in going to Tassie. Um, over the next couple of days, we might even try and speak to someone from the, the, the Tassie team who are putting that bid together because I'm fairly sure that the answer from them will be they've got no interest at all in having a team relocate. That was said in less than... He couldn't have been... Peter Gutwin could not have been any more unequivocal that that was not acceptable when it came to what the team, the former Premier, 
uh, about getting a team in Tasmania. So I don't think there is any chance that uh, North Melbourne will accept that and no chance that Tasmania would accept that either. Um, Jack Zebel spoke at a North Melbourne presser today and the other story that was raised last night was uh, reports from Carolyn Wilson of player unrest. Jack Zebel spoke to those today. No, I love Nobs, Nobs as a coach and... Um... He's created one of the safest environments at our footy club over the last 18 months. Um, there's that much learning going on here at the, inside the four walls, and um, it's really impressive to see that, considering our win-loss ratio as well. He also spoke about the pressure the club's currently facing. There's some, uh, some tough times, no doubt, when you're going through what we're going through at the moment. and um, It takes sometimes some thick skin to get through it, but I know the core of our group and what we stand for and what we want to achieve. So that was Jack Zebel uh, at North Melbourne training today. Uh, 1300 736 736 to have your say uh, on that news of the day. 0433 98116116 on the temper text. Temper, a mattress like no other. Um, just a couple coming through off the text. Um, there is only one person who can get North Melbourne back on track, and that's Wayne Schimmelbush. Uh, that's from David. Uh, Tony saying. So what's the real story at North? We know the departures, but what is going on? Um, and off the text, these guys probably should have been sacked when they took Phillips over Logan McDonald has come through off the text as well. Uh, Dan's called in from Rye to have his say. G'day, Dan. Oh, g'day, Sam. Yeah, just got a couple of quick ones tonight. Um, the first one, just to uh, a call out for North supporters to, to stay the course and, yeah. and hang in there. Us Melbourne supporters, you know, 11 years ago... We, we won about four ga- six games in three years. We had a number one draft pick walk out on us uh, in Tom Scully in 2011. Um, and, you know, there was all sorts of uh, t- tumultuous things happening at the club. So we managed to get the right people at the top and it all starts from there. Yeah, well, I the think that's... Point, uh, yeah, go for it, Dan. Oh, the second one I just wanted to say is I've heard of um, Carlton supporters on the radio in recent days sort of pumping up Jacob Wietering as the All-Australian fullback. Now, he's, he's very good and he may well be All-Australian, but um, I would contend that Stephen May has still got the number one mantle as, as the linchpin in the best defence in the competition. Uh, it's a great debate. It is a great debate. Is it? It's almost worthy of footy tinder swapping left or right on that one, Dan. I think... Um, I think that it's a, almost a four-way battle at the moment, I'd say, who, who the best defenders in the competition are, whether it be Jacob Wietering, who's really gone a little bit unheralded for how pivotal his role was in uh, Carlton's win Friday night against the Swans. When the Swans were coming and basically the ball living inside there, attacking 50, it was he time and time again who was able to repel those forays forward and in the, and in the process keep Buddy Franklin well relatively in check. He did a great job. He was uh, crucial in that win. Uh, probably one of the best one-on-one, if not the best one-on-one defender in the competition. Steve May in that conversation. I'd put Harris Andrews in that conversation as well. And I'd probably have James Sicily in there too. Just your advice on staying the course. I think that's great advice. Sometimes when new people come into a club with new ideas and new ways of doing things, it doesn't always gel straight away. And sometimes people say, look, this isn't for us. And we're not, I don't know. I have no insight into the story there. Um, But maybe it's not as sinister as we sort of jump to the conclusion that it might be. It could just be those three saying, we're not keen on this direction that you're keen to go in. So we'll step away and you guys do what it is that you want to do. And sometimes you do break a few eggs to make that omelette as the old saying goes, it may not be as sinister 
as it's all being made out to be. Is the timing ideal? Absolutely not. Um, I wouldn't be naive enough to suggest that there might they might not be that there's just no ill will or there's no bad blood. Um, you don't tend to see people leave at this time of the year if they're not possibly a little bit disgruntled. But it may not be as bad as we're jumping to the conclusion that it could be. These things happen when major change is implemented uh, across any organisation. Uh, John in Greensboro. G'day, John. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, look, just in regards to what's going on at North. Now, I can't believe we're talking about the same club. Um, listening to the end of the year, the end of the last year's uh, last season, um, he, uh, David Noble was talked about um, in the same sort of uh, phase as Chris Fagan and, and the club looked like it was making all the right things. And it just goes to show you, because uh, I heard a lot of the experts talk about how they were going to be up and about uh, a lot quicker than they uh, everyone everyone thought. Well, sometimes, you know, just to show how often people get it wrong. So it John, I don't remember hearing anybody say they'll be up and about quickly. I think everyone that's given their analysis of North Melbourne, say this is a long-term rebuild. They cleared out the bulk of the list. Um, they're incredibly young. They don't have a ton of A-graders there. They've recruited some guys that could end up being A-graders. I haven't heard one person say this will be a quick rebuild. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I, that's slightly incorrect, I reckon. Uh, well, it, it was David King who actually did a, a thing on North Melbourne last year and they were looking forward to, to the number one draft pick and he had a lot, a lot of positive stuff to say. And we had a, mm. a you know, people would have mistaken it for, you know, perhaps they, you know, they, they, they seem like they may have made the, the, the final. So I just think, um, you know, a lot of people didn't think they were in a mess. I thought, yes, it might, you know, it might take a couple of years, but no one thought that it was the mess that it is. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem like it's uh, all coming up roses at the moment for North Melbourne, that's for sure, John. Again, I'll, I'll probably reserve my judgment just to see how this all pans out. Um, this could mean many, many things. I don't know, so I'm not going to even bother trying to speculate, but the story is that uh, those three people have resigned uh, officially today, Mark Finnegan, Glenn Luff, um, and as Sam Edmund reported a little earlier, uh, along with the list boss, Glenn Luff, and along with the National Recruiting Manager, Mark Finnegan, the National Recruiting Officer, Ben Berthesel, uh, has handed in his resignation as well. Uh, Frog's in Spotswood. G'day, Frog. Yeah, mate. Go for your life, you mate. You're on air. Just turn that radio down for me and fire away. Yeah, sorry, mate. Um, yeah, I just don't um, I, I understand. We're, just, we're nearly knocked off Melbourne, and it's, it's not too bad. It's, it's not all doom and gloom, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a North Melbourne man, Frog? 100%, yeah. Yeah. How does it? Uh, how are you feeling at the moment when the the uh, you know the old story of well maybe this this story of North going to Tassie won't go away and uh, when you're hearing well, there's, there's player unrest even though Jack Zebel's knocked that on the head twice now that there's any player unrest the rumor persists and the reports persist well, how does it make you feel as a, a lifetime North Melbourne fan? Well we're we're still viable because we've got fifty thousand members knocking on the door you know what I mean like so it's not like we're down and out yet so. But we're just, we've got a good core group and we're playing good footy. You can see improvements each week, but I just don't understand what's going on with the management side. So, Yeah, and I think that that's where some questions are, are being laid. Um, but again, it's a new management team. It's a newer CEO, uh, a new president, a new coach. 
And though when 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 those very key positions are filled, and Brady Rawlings hasn't been there much longer than I think a year and a half to two years, so when those key positions are filled very quickly with a lot of new people coming in, and that, I'd imagine in any organisation, that's going to be some adjusting. That that's going to be uh, some substantial change that goes on. Whether it's the right change or the wrong change, that's what I'm reserving my judgment on. Um, because we just don't know at this stage whether the change they're implementing is the right change or the wrong change. This seems pretty un- pretty awkward. It seems like it's not it's less than ideal in terms of the timing. But I think the we'll have to wait and see what the end result will be. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. So that's the North Melbourne news. On the other side of this, um, it's been a big day with a lot of conversation around what happens to players after they finish up. Uh, their AFL career. Paul Marsh, uh, the head of the Players Association, was on with Gary and Tim earlier on today. Dwayne Russell has spoken about this. Gary and Tim as well have given their view. Uh, and we will shine a little light on those conversations today before Dean Margetts joins us at 6.30 uh, on the Maccas Run. Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. My Maccas Rewards has arrived. Order via the My Maccas app and start earning today. What I would want to see is the AFLPA say, you know what, we're going to own this, we're going to champion this, and whatever it looks like, we are going to deliver the world's best player transition program. And we've got an opportunity at the next collective bargaining agreement for the PA to say, you know what, boys, you're going to get a great deal, but you're standing on the shoulders of players that have delivered this deal 20 or 30 years ago when the growth of the game went boom. But maybe we have to sacrifice a little bit to be able to deliver that to guys that are struggling. And guess what, one day... You'll be a pass player too. That was Nick Rewald on the couch on Fox Footy last night uh, after the story broke that uh, former Saint Sam Fisher had been charged with uh, drug trafficking. Uh, Nick Rewald passionate about wanting the AFLPA to do more in the player transition from their professional career to their life after football. Paul Marsh, the head of the Players Association, uh, was on with Gary and Tim earlier this morning to talk about these issues. But the players that transition well are the ones that during their careers have been active in exploring education, work placement and what we call community activations. And that that leads to sort of a more confident, resilient um, and less sort of rigidity around the next phase of their life. So the players that are doing that are actually transitioning pretty well. The players that are not engaging are where the concerns are at. And I think that's our challenge as an industry is to try to get as many of these players individually. It's got to be an individual approach to start engaging in those three things. And I think that does become a challenge, a bigger challenge as the games become more professional. This this has to be um, a joint responsibility. I mean, transition doesn't uh, start when a player leaves the game. Transition starts when the player starts in the game. And, you know, we um, as an industry run induction programs for the players. The clubs all have player development managers that work with the players day to day. And this is about trying to prepare players for their life after football. Obviously, whilst they're in the game, they're very focused on football. But there's also a lot of resources and support available whilst they're playing. So, you know, whilst ultimately when they leave the game, players will tap into the resources of the AFLPA, um, it has to happen whilst they're playing because it's too late once you get to the end to start thinking about what you're going to do next. I don't think so. I mean, part of the reason for, for having the time and giving them the time, and it's something that, you know, we've continued to negotiate with the AFL, is to carve out the space for the players to go and do study and other things. And, you know, many players are doing that. So, you know, I think they're in the game for a short time and there's a long time post. 
And I think we have a responsibility as an industry to try to help the players get themselves prepared. So um, that's not to say every player uses that time, but I think it's dangerous to start saying they have too much time because so many of them actually use it productively. We did a piece of work with the players probably three or four years ago, and you know the players, the top two issues the players identified were um, mental health and transition. Now, done a lot of work on both, um, but I think this is going to be an ongoing issue. So yeah, that's a conversation that we'll definitely have with the AFL. What it looks like right now, um, I can't tell you, but it is a piece of work we're doing. AFLPA boss Paul Marsh speaking to Gary and Tim earlier today, sen.com.au, about transitioning players uh, from football life uh, to their life after football, um, about players engaging in outside work, usually transition better. It's up to the players to think about their future while they're playing. He rejected the notion that the players have too much time on their hands and that money for welfare is part of the current broadcast negotiations. Dwayne Russell spoke uh, to this today. The AFLPA, I think... um are addressing it and I think they are trying their hardest to make sure they do address it. I'm a couple of generations removed from this generation of players so when Nick Rewalt speaks about the current generation and the problems they're facing then you've got to listen because he's just out of the game. I came from you know a couple of generations ago where you know alcohol abuse and painkillers and all that kind of stuff was more the issue. So yeah I, I listened and my eyes opened wide last night when Nick Rewalt went down that track in the opening as well, and I'm sure the AFL. Look, from my point of view, the AFLPA does a lot of really good work to help ex-players with difficulty. So let's. That was Dwayne Russell uh, earlier on today. He's also said it's up to the current players to put more into support, not just the AFL. When we come back, Dean Mar gets a lot of talk about umpires. We'll get his view on where it currently stands at the moment. Macca's run. Welcome to the Macca's run with Sam Hargraves. My Macca's Rewards has arrived. Order via the My Macca's app and start earning today. Uh, great to have you company if you're just joining us or if you've been with us for the whole way through the Macca's run. We do it all thanks to the My Macca's Rewards, which has arrived. Earn rewards with every Macca's run. You can order via the My Macca's app and start earning today. This is the Macca's run. Your say on the news of the day on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Well, yesterday from sunup, to well past sundown, the number one item uh, with a bullet of just about every person that rang up the station to talk wanted to talk about some level of frustration or confusion or perplexion uh, with the way that the, um, the, the game was being umpired at the moment. David King pleaded for the AFL to give us our game back. Uh, Mark Robinson spoke on uh, footy classifier, uh, sorry, on, <laughs> on uh, footy uh, AFL 360 last night um, saying that uh, the AFL was trying to go woke um, and you spent a large part of yesterday and a fair bit of today with just airing your frustrations as well. So we weren't able to get Dan Richardson to come on. Um, the AFL knocked that one on the head pretty quickly to try and answer some of your concerns and your queries. So I'm really grateful that a man who sits in the top 10 all time of games officiated between his VFL, AFL and Waffle, he's umpired well over 400 games. Very generous with his time is Dean Margetts, and he's been good enough to jump on the line to give us his perspective. Dean, hello, and thank you for being on the show this evening. Uh, good evening, Sam, and um, thanks for giving me a call. So, as I mentioned then, we're experiencing a record level of dissatisfaction with, with our listeners, saying they can't watch or won't watch footy anymore because what they say is 
over-umpiring or inconsistent umpiring, too much variation on interpretations of rules, especially in relation to 50-metre penalties with the stand rule, encroachment, protected zone, descent, holding the ball in the back. Mm. What do you say uh, to, to those people who are saying that it's never been as bad as it is now, in your view, Dean? Yeah, well, there's a fair bit to unpack there, Sam. I think yes. what we need to sort of co- cover off up the front is um, the AFL umpiring group is clearly going through a bit of a transition phase with the depth of our umpires. Um, obviously, I retired last season. Mm. Um, a couple of young umpires replaced a few of us older guys. But we've got seven to eight pretty serious long-term injuries on the list at the moment. So, of course, when you... Um, and some of those are like Matthew Nichols and Jeff Douglas. They're grand final umpires. So when you're replacing those with probably the lower... Um, uh, ex- or less experienced umpires to come through, you're going to get a bit of an up-and-down performance at times. Mm. So we need to keep that in perspective. It's a bit like saying to West Coast and North Melbourne, now why are you on the bottom? Well, they've been challenged with COVID, injuries and some depth. So the umpiring group is sometimes no different. And we like to think of ourselves as the 20th team or the 19th team yep. um, as far as the way we work, the way we prepare, um, how, how seriously we take the game. So we certainly understand the frustrations at times um, as far as the dissent rule goes, Sam, look, I, I think, and I, I've said this quite openly um, in a lot of the media stuff that I've done this season, is I reckon we've just gone a little bit too far the other way now, where we want respect from players and stakeholders, but now we've probably created this situation where we're getting less respect because of what we've sort of brought into the game. Now, that's not necessarily the umpire's fault. That's come from a higher, higher place, clearly, but I think... At times when we're saying one thing, yet it's a all-in, every arm's out to free kick versus, well, now it's up to the umpire. My interpretation of a hands out, I've never been offended by that in 20 years. So a younger umpire might have a different feel. So that's where we get this imbalance and, unfortunately, some inconsistency in the delivering of that free kick. Yeah, I'm with you. You don't uh, yell at the police for the rules that they are made to enforce. You, you go above their heads. Mm. Um, what's the happy medium then for you? when it comes to how to officiate dissent? Because I'm being told firsthand by mates of mine that have kids that it is actually already flowing down. The kids, that they're, that, that, that they're going to their games. The kids are even saying it out on the field. Keep your arms down. Don't show dissent. Yep. And they're, they're, they're yep. actually laughing. And, in, and, and that's, they've embraced that <laughs> because they're seeing that the players have embraced it by and large. So what's the happy medium for you, Dean? Uh, I think just that feel for the game and, and having footy in that context at the moment. And I used the Jordan to go example last Friday night, two Friday nights ago, when he went to say something, he went to put his arms out, but he sort of curtailed his behaviour. I don't think we should be penalising that. We should be acknowledging that that player's trying to change his behaviour. Um, the Chad Warner one last Friday night when he ran too far, was, is that arms out really demonstrative? Is it really offensive? And my message to the Waffle Unplying group over here, Sam, was quite simple. The law book is already written at 18.4. If mm. there's demonstrative behaviour, abusive language, you can pay a free kick. I'm just not quite sure where the arms out has come from. And I remember last season when I was on the AFL list, we never discussed it as a group. So it was never a, a, a conversation piece. So when it came out, I'm not convinced um, that's going to be the reason why we're maybe 6,000 umpires short through an arms out thing. And I... I just don't think that's the right way to go about it. But certainly the abuse, the demonstrative, the pointing, the mouth guard throwing, that stuff, absolutely. But the rule book's been there to support that for, for many, many a year. Yeah, and this is not a new rule. It's just a rule we haven't actually enforced. But the whole idea of arms out, I think the umpire who said that may have just misspoken slightly. And we've hung everything on that hook, and which I think is, mm. is unfair. But um, so... When it comes to, we're going to jump around to a few different things and, and we're going to try and cover off on some of the things that people have been ringing to, to discuss. And I really appreciate you being here 
to, to do it. From what you're being told, how are the umpires feeling about the dissent rule it, it, itself and how do you feel that they would like to handle it? Yeah, not not one for me to sort of answer, um, Sam. I mean, honestly, I haven't had a lot of contact with the sure. actual umpires, not being a part of the group anymore, or the WhatsApp groups or the conversation. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be speaking on behalf of them. I certainly can only speak on behalf of myself and I and the experienced umpires in my group of, and you know who they are, I, I think they would have a better feel and understanding mm. what dissent is or what frustration or abuse is than maybe a first-year umpire. Now, I guess if um, Brad Scott's giving this clear message, a younger umpire might have a different threshold than what I would have. Yeah. And as I said to you before, never in 20 years have I felt offended by a player's arms out at me. You know, I, I haven't felt that. And it's never been a discussion. Um, but I absolutely understand what the AFL are trying to do. I mean, as you say, it organically flows through to junior thinking. I mean, that's a great thing. And I found that in the waffle. There was no crackdown for us, but we've certainly seen some of the behaviours sort of alter, which is a massive kick. But I certainly think at elite-level football, um, it's such an emotional game and it's a powerfully charged game with these guys, these combat athletes are going at it at 100 mile an hour. To then pay a free kick for something like that, um, I'm not quite sure that's where it needs to be. So one of the other criticisms is that the belief that the umpires under instruction are too quick to try and penalise physicality, push and shove, like what we saw mm. down in Tassie, players being penalised for, you know, yep. pushing someone over or, or your push to the yep. chest, the dangerous tackle-free kicks that have come into the game that we don't believe are dangerous. Now, Mark Robinson said last night, footy's trying to be woke and officiating that doesn't, uh, we don't want to see anyone hurt anyone despite the game itself being physical. So have the umpires, to, yeah. to your eye and to your belief, been directed to sanitise the game as Robbo's suggesting or that others are suggesting the AFL is doing? No, I wouldn't think that for a minute, no. I mean, let's go through that first part. So the, the, the little strike that Lockie Neal gave to Newcomb, was it, for memory? That's yeah, and I think bit. Tom Mitchell. And the, and, yeah. And, yeah, so the law book clearly states... Um, any clenched fist strike, irrespective of force, and it can be the softest tap if it's clenched, that is a free kick. So that's not the umpire's fault. That's the way the law is written, and that's okay. um, something the AFL wanted to, to rule out. So we can't be critical of umpires for paying that. The little push to that player on the boundary line, in my view, that's just a simple mistake. The umpire's made an error, and maybe at times it would be better for the AFL to come out and say, look, we got that one wrong. And I reckon people would go, you know what? They've put their hand up, they made a mistake, and we move on. If we can sort of humanise the role a bit, and sometimes just, you know, when we have made a blue, put a hand up, I reckon everyone would appreciate and respect us, and I use that word again, would respect our group a far lot more than what we may be able to ask for arms in or arms out. Um, as far as dangerous tackles goes, look, that's um, a real delicate one, but it's certainly with head and concussion and player welfare at the forefront. If we're going to make a mistake, I've got no issue with umpires making a mistake for protecting a player's head and their well-being, not just in that game, but for their long-term welfare as well. Um, like I say, if your arms are pinned, there's an excessive rotation, that head gets knocked, then that's a dangerous tackle. And can I say, Sam, for every dangerous tackle we have, we have 150 good ones, and sometimes we forget that in our you know, really combative mm. sport that we are in AFL. So there was a couple of Taron Thomas tackles that were penalised and then the Dylan Grimes one in the Dreamtime game. Mm. You were comfortable with those, Dean? Uh, I, I didn't see them all, but from what I understand, it, look, there might have been potentially one out of there, but the other two, I, I think, are three kicks under the, the criteria in the queue that the umpires are coached and directed on. What, what are those criteria, Dean? For dangerous tackle? Yep. Um, head in a vulnerable position, if your arms are pinned, if there's an excessive rotation, um, excessive force, all those little things. And like I say, um, I like to call these, Sam, the ooh factor. When people go, oh, that's generally a dangerous tackle. Uh, and like I say, when we see them, they do jump out. But at the same token, we've got to understand that, you know, umpires are going to be in the right position. 
to pay the free kick. And, and the coaching message would always be to us, pay what you see, not what you think you see. Yep. Um, don't guess. Um, and sometimes we're going to miss. And sometimes you might um, get them wrong by paying an unwarranted free kick. But as I say, I don't think people can be critical of umpires making a mistake when it's coming to the protection of the head and the player's welfare. You, you raised a great point before that I want to explore a little bit. Andy Marr brought this up uh, during the run home with Andy and Gazy that Jeff Geeshan, if I'm not mistaken, used to front up all the time. And it was really yeah. effective in knocking a lot of the um, confusion or frustration on the head straight away because he'd either yeah. say, no, no, that one's right, or, yeah, that one was wrong. And and it would dissipate. The, ang- the, the, yeah. the angst and the tension would would dissipate, maybe sometimes begrudgingly, but at least there was an explanation. It, Ray Chamberlain is, is a fascinating figure, as you well know, Dean. And mm-hmm. people had yeah. a view of him, and I think he has changed so many people's view of who he is and what he's all about from the fortnightly segments he does with Jared Waitley off his own yeah. steam. The amount of yep. texts that come through are going, I used to bloody hate that bloke, and now I think he's... <laughs> so, and he comes on and he answers everybody's questions and he explains yeah. things. And... It's, as I said, I asked, I've asked two nights in a row for Dan Richardson to come on and be told no. How, yeah. how helpful would it be to your former brethren if this did yep. actually occur, that there was an explanation and an openness about this? Yeah, look, I, I can't speak for Dan or the AFL, but certainly Ray's um, um, podcasts and Waitley shows have been great, and I find I do a fair bit of the same sort of stuff over here in person. I've always found that, you know, if after a game, um, even in the heat of battle, if we maybe fronted up and just clarified, maybe a contentious decision with a bit of direction and clarity from the coach, make sure we get on the same page, I think that'd be a great decision. One of the frustrations for me, Sam, is when I watch Friday Night Footy and I hear the commentators talking about, oh, there's a clear hands in the back there. What do they mean by that? That rule was taken out of the book about five years ago. There's no such thing as a hands in the back. Mm. So even our media commentators are saying things which aren't right. Uh, and we need to correct that. So I'd love to see some umpiring people on some broadcasts and explain to um, a lot of people out in the footy world that don't know the laws or don't know what the interpretations are so we could probably diffuse some of this frustration and it would knock it on the head right there and then. So that's something that we can probably look at maybe going forward because I know, I think 20-odd years ago, I think it might have been John Russell needs to do it on Channel 7 way back when, and I think it had some merit. And with the game the way it is now, with so many rules, so many interpretations and so, so much new stuff that people aren't across, how good would it be for a Chamberlain or a Brett Rose or a Matt Seaman or a Damon whoever to just add that education page to go, then people go, oh, you know what? I had no idea that's what the rule was. Sensational. I love both of those ideas. Press conference straight after, just like the coaches do, and you do get to knock those things on the head really quickly and correct some maybe uh, false uh, or incorrect ways of yeah. um, commentating on certain situations. The other one that you talk about, the NFL do it. And so do the NBA. And it's and I often find it quite entertaining that the commentators will go, yeah. well, this is clearly a penalty. That's clearly a penalty. Let's go to our man in New York. And he says, no, no, you're both wrong. Yeah. You know, and it's a great <laughs> part of the broadcast. So I think you've come up with a couple of rippers yeah, there. I, um, and, and I think I think also, um, Sam, just with that, I think it's really important that um, people hear it from the umpires who get coached on it week to week, who have been in it for, I mean, myself, I've been in it for 20 years, and mm. our top, you know, 10 or 12 experienced guys have been doing it for, you know, Two, three, four hundred games. There's a lot of education, a lot of knowledge that can be spread far and wide um, by doing things just like that. So, what uh, the game that everyone's pointing to um, is the Tassie game, Hawthorne and Brisbane. Sixty-three free kicks. It's about twenty more than mm. the normal this season, which is already up six on average um, from last year. Is this an outlier game? Is this just a? This is. I, I'm a big advocate for umpires, Dean. I don't. I'm not sure if you're aware, yeah. but 
I have I said that this is the first time I walked away from a game this year saying overall I think this was poorly officiated. When normally I can say, well, that yep. might not have been right. Or, but by and large, yep. I think we do overreact in this space. Is yep. this an outlier game for you, or is it um, a little bit uh, emblematic of possibly a growing problem in terms of standards? No, I think it might have been just an outlier. I mean, I guess records are there to be broken, and I know the umpires <laughs> wouldn't go there trying to break records by any stretch, and, but certainly 60 is a lot of free kicks. But what, what we're forgetting is that game had, I think the score, correct me if I'm wrong, was 117 points to 112, yeah. 229 total points. Don't we want more scoring? More, more goals, more, more excitement. So we've mm. sort of lost all that. Now, I'm not saying the free kicks um, enabled that to happen, but that was one of the highest-scoring games of the round. But we're sort of focusing on some, some, some free kicks, which... I think Hawthorne did kick nine goals from free kicks, Chris Fagan pointed out. You know, okay. Yeah. But, if, but if they're warranted free kicks, um, let's say they're warranted. It, it, that's the right thing. Free kick counts are a bit of an anomaly with most people. I think there's this misnomer, Sam, that the free kick count has to be 18 all at the end of the game. Sometimes a free kick count might be 42 to 10. But if you went and reviewed that game, which I've been involved in games like that in my career, we've gone back and reviewed them. And sometimes we haven't played the team who got 42 enough or we've missed a few for them. So um, this sort of misnomer about evening up free kicks or squaring up or making it 20 to 18, that's just a nonsense. Um, I'm instructed to pay all warranted free kicks. If it's 74 to 10, that's just the way it goes. There'll be some mistakes in there. Absolutely, there will be. But certainly um, there's no... There's no sort of mandate to make sure that the free kick counts are, are even. Um, and like I said, I haven't reviewed that game, so I don't know. I've seen a couple of um, kicks, um, and they look like they're mistakes to me. And there might have been 10 errors in that game, for all I know. But the reality is there might have been 40-odd, which were correct as well. So the the, the review that, um, and again, it wasn't, I don't know if it was with, with a former umpire, but the review that Jerry Waitley did on 360 said that there were 28 definites, in his view, and there were 13 absolutely nots. And the rest, he said, you can quibble. And that's what this sport is. It is a quibbling sport. Yep. So he says that there was 13 definitely nots, 28 definitely's, and the rest you, you can toss a coin on. Um, yep. Do you feel that at the moment there's a, a desire to be black and white with the officiating, that maybe the feel for the game has maybe left it ever so slightly? And I say that knowing that two of the umpires that were down in Tassie were former players. So... Um, mm. I, but is there a need to be, well, if it, you know, to the letter of the law, it's there rather than, yeah, but in the feel of the game, it, it's not there. Are we losing a bit of the feel? Uh, possibly. But like I said, I can't. I mean, all the, all the umpires, all 34, yeah. you know, AFL umpires are sitting in the same room, getting the same types of message, the same direction. So there's, there should be no doubt on what that is. Um, what I will say is when you've got an umpire who's done nine grand finals and 400 games versus a bloke who's done 13 games, you're going to get a a bit of an inconsistency in performance. That's just mm. the nature of the game. And that's why people always say, how come you guys cannot umpire normal games, week-to-week games like the grand final? And my response is always this. You've got the best three umpires in the country umpiring the best two teams. You're going to get a pretty damn good product. And sometimes we lose sight in that, you know. Um, North Melbourne are going through a bit of a transition time. West Coast are going through that. Yeah. And maybe the bottom end of our list with the AFL umpires are going through something similar. So there needs to be a bit of acceptance and understanding that we've had it Really good for a fair while. We've got the greats like Brett Rosebery and Matt Sennick and Matt Nichols and all the uh, Chamberlain and Simon Meredith and Chris yeah. Donlan. All guys of my era have come through and done over round of games, all life members. Um, at some point, like me, they're going to tip off the cliff. So we need to put games into these other umpires to give them experience. And I think we need to be open. And we're no different to clubs. Um, sometimes we need to keep that balance intact. In, in, in so, Dean, do you guys have 
every bit of infrastructure you need to be as successful um, and to do as good a job as you possibly can. Carolyn Wilson wrote a story that they were only getting to, able to train one night a week, didn't have access to gym. Um, you haven't had a home, a proper home for such a long time. Do the umpires yep. have everything they need and what more could the AFL do to make sure they do? Yeah, look, possibly they could have you know, a better setup from a home base point of view, but it obviously is contributing a facility of what we require in probably Melbourne with you know limited ground space and, and that sort of stuff. But we've been through some pretty challenging times with COVID and we've had to train away from things, but our guys are a very professional group. Uh, they work damn hard at their craft. Mm. And as far as for the coaching messages go, I can only speak from my experience, and they're always very clear and um, there's never any doubt. And I, if I've got an issue, I'll, I'll make the phone call to my coach and say, hey, coach, what's this? And we have a conversation and we move on. So... This, um, this sort of notion about umpires being full-time, they've got to be full-time. Play on 300 grand, make them full-time. That's not going to make umpires pay any better decisions, I don't think, Sam. Why, why not? Uh, NRL I, I would disagree yeah. respectfully, but why don't yeah. you think uh, it would work and how could it work if uh, it was to work? Well, I'll, I'll dispute back to the NRL. A lot of those guys, all their guys are full-time. I watch the NRL quite a bit and I see just as many howlers for those guys um, than we have for guys who are part-time. I don't think it makes you better. I could prepare myself, Sam, or you could prepare yourself. You know, you're training. There's only so much training you can do. There's only so much vision you can do. What fills in your day? What's your, what's your, what's your go-to? What's match, your match relief simulation at, at trainings during the week with the clubs? That happens. Yep. That happens, Sam. That happens. We have over 500 club visits every pre-season. Uh, I know from over in Perth, I'm based in the West Coast, would have us at training once a week. So you're getting constant match simulation. But you know what? They're athletes. They're not training every day. They've got to have a bit of downtime as well. And if you're injured... What are you doing? Where do you go? Or if mm. your career finishes when you're 32, what are you going to do? I was lucky. I got to go till I was 47. Um, but you've got to keep that in perspective. I don't think it makes you a better decision maker. I think just the way the game's played, I could prepare as well as I could. I could do all my training, be injury-free. But just sometimes the way the game's played, or if I zig and I should have zagged, or um, I couldn't see through a pack and I missed three or four free kicks, are you going to then say, well, but you get paid 300 again, you're full-time. Is that fair? I'm not so sure it is. So I'm very, I'm very strong on, I don't think it makes us necessarily better umpires for being full-time. Dean, I feel we've only just scratched the surface. I can't thank you enough for jumping on. We'll have to do it again. Um, I've really enjoyed the chat, and I think we're getting a great response from, from your perspective. I appreciate your time. My pleasure, Sam. Like I say, I'm a card-carrying member of the Green Team, and, um, but I'll certainly put my hand up when we make it wrong as well. Beautifully done. Dean Margetts, over 400 games umpiring. Uh, have your say on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Back after this. Family safety always comes first. That's why Tyre Power offers the free five-minute tyre safety check. Get the power of expert advice at Tyre Power. The all-new SEN app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. My Macca's Rewards has arrived. Get that surprise Maccas for dinner feeling when you earn points to redeem on your favourites. Like a Big Mac. Download the My Maccas app and start earning today. Value means more at Maccas. T's and C's apply. See our website for details. When David arrived to pick the kids up from school, he assumed his place was worth about 900 But after chatting to Donna with the barking dog, Mr Stewart, the maths teacher, and Barbara, the lollipop lady, he's now thinking 1.2. How about you, Tony? Only one way to know, and that's with an honest appraisal from Harcourts. Our expertise helps you get the best result, but it's our people that make the real difference. Your home, our experience, Harcourts.
From the building sites across our cities to the gas pipe welders in the outback, Tradies of Australia are the backbone of this great country. And doesn't TC Boxes know it? Their trays, canopies and toolboxes made especially for the back of your ute are built for toughness and reliability. Perfect for the safe and secure storage of your tools and equipment while you're on the go. They get on with the job no matter where it takes them. For Australian designed and engineered trays, canopies and toolboxes for your ute, visit tcboxes.com. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. My Macca's Rewards has arrived. Order by the My Macca's app and start earning today. Oh, look, I think Rats is you know, coaching really well and he and the club are in, in discussions at the moment. I'm not sure the exact time frame of when that'll fall out, but look, I think that's heading in the right direction for Rats and, you know, and he, he deserves that. He's had, you know, he's, he's done a really good job and talks to Begala. I don't have a clear time frame on that one, but um, yeah, it's progressing in the right direction. Let's put it that way. Uh, head of footy, David Rath, speaking to SEN earlier today that Brett Ratton's contract talks are heading in the right direction. Sam Switkowski's tribunal um, hearing is underway. The jury are deliberating. He's actually pled guilty to serious misconduct, but Fremantle are pushing for a fine. They've cited some other instances of chicken wing tackles. AFL pushing for two weeks. Fremantle looking to just get away with a fine. So we'll keep you up to speed on that. Some great response coming through from the Dean Margetts chat. A lot of love for his uh, insight. Some people not wrapped. Uh, maybe they did, were on the receiving end of some uh, decisions from Dean they weren't happy with. But there's some great text coming through about his chat. That will be up on the podcast very soon. Sporting Capital is up next. Footy Tinder is back. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.